friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Hello, everyone. It is Monday, April 6th, 2020. This is episode 84 with Kay Murdoch, a.k.a. Kyle Murdoch. We are still in a quarantine. They say this week is going to be intense with the bad news. And uh, that's, I hope everyone's okay washing your hands. You know, I think it's like, I'm really grateful to be able to keep making music, keep making content and have such an amazing fan base. And thank you all for, you know, mitigating some of the stress right now. So my family and I can keep doing what we're doing. I know you're all going through stuff and I want to let you know, I'm thinking about you. If you want to hit me up on Twitter or message me and you need some encouragement, I am here for you. Everything will be okay, but this is like unprecedented and difficult and hard. And I feel y'all. And that's why I feel like these, you know, long form media is important because it connects us. It reassures us. And that's why I'm still doing the podcast and still doing all my other projects. Um, I'm doing the Marvel songs. The Age of Ultron song is coming this week. Uh, thank you, everyone who watched my stage at show last Friday. We went back in time to try to stop the coronavirus. We were unsuccessful, so we're going to have to do another one a week from this Friday. But thank you all for your generosity. It was super fun. Shout out to Ash Wednesday, who produced the segment. Um, I'm reviewing the Fast and Furious movies on Letterboxd, so go on my Twitter, and I posted a link to my first review, so that's happening. I'm doing the Lit Hop Lockdowns, where I talk about an author who is important, and I read some of their work and then rap some of it. Those are little lessons I'm doing on Facebook Live. On YouTube, I'm back with the Hatchet Chats, trying to do those more regularly, and I have a single coming out with Mega Rand soon, so that's a lot of stuff. I want to shout out the Patreon Larsons for signing up and allowing me to keep making this content. Shout out to Eric, Lowell, and Max, and shout out to the old ones, Jennifer, Jeff, and Michael. And this week, we're going to hear from a Patreon Larson, Josh in Pueblo, Colorado. If you sign up for the MC Lars Patreon, not only do you get tons and tons of music you haven't heard, you also get a proprietary secret phone number where if you call in the podcast and tell a story about a concert or a favorite MC Lars song, guess what? You get a free t-shirt and I'll play it. Josh, you got a shirt coming your way. Thanks for calling in. But now it's time for this week's MC, MC Lars. Lars. Patreon, Patreon Larchin. Of the of week, the week, 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 week. Did you hear that echo? Let's say, okay, Josh, take it away, buddy. Hey, Lars, this is Josh from Pueblo, Colorado. Been a fan of yours for a long time, been to seven shows. Favorite memory isn't even a show that I went to. Had medical issues back in 2015, wasn't able to see on Warp's tour. A friend of mine went there, went to the merch line, called me, and I got to talk to you on the phone for a few minutes. It was something special. You've taken time out to talk to one of your fans and they're having some medical issues. It stuck with me this entire time. Much love, man. See you soon. Much love. Thank you, Josh. That's a great story. I remember talking to you, and I remember seeing you at many shows over the years, and um, I hope you're doing okay. And I like that you said see you soon, because the touring will resume. We'll keep it moving. We're going to get through this. But thank you for calling in, dude. That that was a great message, um, and I appreciate your support. You got a shirt coming your way. Okay, Kay Murdoch. I met this guy through Mega Ran when we were all on tour in 2011 on the MC Chris Race Wars tour, which was when Lars Attacks came out, and it was a really great, long, I feel like exciting moment for Nerdcore because everything felt like it was its own scene, and it was just really cool getting to know Kyle in this context. And then Mega Ran opened for me in England, and Kay Murdoch came, and that was with MC Chris and Cuckoo Kangaroo a few years after that. So we chop it up. We talk about his life as a teacher, a father, a producer, just a great dude. So here is my interview with Kay Murdoch on the MC Lars podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, today on the podcast, we have a man I've known almost a decade. Kyle Murdoch, K Murdoch, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, Andrew? Hi well, excuse me, Lars. I, I I feel bad. Like I always do this. I I talk to people and call them the government, and people are like, "Dude, 
like no one knows that like <laughs> you're, you're supposed to stay in character so sometimes when i'm with mega ran at merch i'll call him the his government name and he'll be like that's confusing i i used to do the opposite i used to always say ran ran and he's like dude you can call me raheem and i was like <laughs> it's just confusing because yeah in front of fans i can't say raheem i don't want them to think they always have that ability to do so i don't know it's weird to call him that too. Yes, yes, yes. If I don't know someone that well and I'm just meeting them for the first time, like at merch or something, and mm-hmm. they're calling me Andrew, I'm like, it's like forced fam- familiarity and it's a little annoying. Like yeah. I bet people call calling you Kyle who you've never met. Is that weird uh, on uh, tour or what? Uh, yeah, it is weird. You know, um, the funniest thing is that one of my students called me Kyle and I was like, I just stopped him. I was like, look, I'm, I'm not big about... You know, those like, you know, calling me Professor Murdoch or Prof Murdoch. But I was like, yo, like, it's one thing for like a faculty member to say, but you're my student. Like, it's a it's a modicum of respect we're supposed to have, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I had to, I felt them. And then, no, it's, <laughs> I didn't feel <laughs> them. The, <laughs> no, but uh, I've had fans do that occasionally, but a lot of people just call me K, which is great because I'm like, that's like a, you know, K Murdoch can't beat that you know so you when you're not touring and producing you're a professor at american university man i teach at three different places in the consortium of universities in the dc metro area so i teach at howard university which is my uh alma mater i've been teaching there for five years i teach at american university where i'm also currently getting my master's in audio technology uh and i also teach at catholic university i teach at the two latter uh, schools I mentioned, I teach podcast production, ironically. And then at, at Howard University, I teach uh, audio, multimedia audio production and audio engineering. So, yeah, I'm doing a lot, man. And you have two kids and you're married. Yes. Uh, yes. I have two daughters, <laughs> Stella and Sybil. Uh, they're five and three, respectively. And I have uh, my, my wife, who I've been married to. This will be our seventh anniversary this November. So... Yeah, man, doing adult thing, adulting and doing it hopefully well, you know. How's the corona been with you and your family? Um, yeah, I was just talking to my wife before we started uh, recording and just saying, you know, we're only in day five of this whole like the self-isolation or social distancing. And um, it's been interesting because she is a teacher, too. She teaches um, early learning, like uh, kindergarten um so she's uh, you know everything is moved online uh my classes are all online her she's her classes are online with her students and it's a big difference between talking to a bunch of like early 20 year olds on zoom versus trying to corral a bunch of like five-year-olds on like zoom or google hangout and having like a modicum of a a, a semblance of a class you know yeah. Uh, so it's been interesting. And on top of the fact that we have a three and a five year old at home that themselves, they have to check in with their teachers. Um, so it's been tough, man. My wife is, you know, even this morning, like we trying to keep our morale up and just saying like, it's tough, man. We already feeling a little bit of cabin fever. But beyond that, just thinking about globally how it's affecting everyone. And I just try to kind of calm her by saying, realize this is not just happening to us it's happening to everybody it's like a level of Mm. adjustment that everyone's having to do you know and it's this no you're right kyle and it's like this thing of how do you evaluate the work of like a five-year-old on zoom it's it's a (laughs) lot harder right to grade them than to to grade a paper or a test right yeah i i mean even even me i teach classes where i'm supposed to have students in studios set up setting up mics and recording and you know the studio i'm in right now uh it's vacant and it sucks because it's like a million dollar facility as far as like wow uh you know like uh for for recording it's where we a lot of the audio technology classes happen here at american university and um it just you know all the classes have been moved online but how do you teach certain things online like you can teach pro tools in a certain theory but the yeah. practicality and, and the more uh, hands-on stuff is just harder to replicate online, you know? So it's just caused us to be a little bit crafty, you know? Uh, one of the podcasts I record actually is with a uh, former uh, Clinton, Bill Clinton, a James Carville. Uh, <laughs> and it's interesting, you know, he's, he's known as being like the raging Cajun and he has like all some really good looks as far as, uh, or insight as far as like, 
how this is affecting us and uh, politics and, and all that because it's a political podcast. But obviously, the stuff we've been talking about has all been relative to, naturally to the coronavirus. And he's saying, saying, trying to find silver linings and just saying, like, you know, the good thing about this is one of the things that he says is that is less of a carbon uh, emission or a footprint right now because hopefully mm. people are not out. And, uh, and about so you know if anything uh i don't know just trying to kind of look at it as a, a glass half full as much as you can you know? yeah but yeah. that daily it sounds like you already have a very very busy life with your right. with your classes and being a teacher so um yeah. i guess one of the things i wanted to ask you is mm -hmm. you still stay pretty active as an artist right i try to <laughs> it, cr credit that to Me megaran yeah, he helps me. Megaran Rahim, whatever you want to call him, uh, teacher rap hero. Uh, he, he helps me because he's always like, I know you're busy, but if you want to do this. So he respects, he gives me my space to do stuff, but he's also like, yo, I, you know, I know you like doing this and I feel like the fans like hearing from you and, or seeing us collaborate uh, in some form or fashion. So whether it's producing a song for him on Patreon or editing something for a podcast or just be, well i don't know how much live performance stuff is going to be happening <laughs> for the foreseeable future right but raheem always tries to loop me in uh and then on top of that like uh i i'm just the i call myself an audio creative so i feel like even if i wasn't able to get my music or the stuff i create out there to an audience as naturally as a creative i just like creating stuff so uh, I'm always thinking of stuff to do and I think he's been real good and even my wife has been real good about like okay that's cool to create this stuff but you need to put it out and share and it really doesn't take much it's just hopping on Twitter or IG and posting something on uh, but I'm a bit of a perfectionist so I just like the presentation of stuff to be really good and unfortunately sometimes that hinders me getting stuff out in a timely fashion you know yeah but you have such a diverse uh huge catalog going all the way back to panacea and your stuff with raucous and years oh and years yeah man i just thought a friend of mine was like dude you know next year in 2021 will be the the album the, the first like record i actually produced for was in 2001 and he mm. reminded me that next year that's 21 years and i was like dude like i feel old you saying that i was fresh out of college <laughs> right just getting my chops and stuff and but it's crazy so he's like let's redo the album and i was like that actually is not a bad idea because it'll sonically hopefully sound way better you know so because i just learned a lot you know i mean it's interesting you and um you and mega ran met because he was a fan of panacea on myspace is that what happened yeah kinda, or? no yeah. that that's totally accurate we we met back in god man this is like 2007 he sent me i was i was on he was a fan of panacea but i also had a uh, a radio show an underground hip-hop radio show on xm radio now serious xm radio called subsonic and he submitted music to it i used to get it was a pretty big show so we used to yeah. get stuff su submitted so he sent me two cds uh raheem did he sent me the call which was definitely in like the line of the stuff that uh, in line with the stuff we were playing. And he also sent me Megaran and my first, um, you know, reaction to it when I saw it was like, I started laughing cause I was like, this dude took the character Mega Man and appropriated it and made him black. Like, and I just thought that was funny, but thankfully I actually listened to the music and I was, I was really, I fell in love with it, man. To the point I hit him up on my space and I was like, dude, we should collaborate. And when he found out that, the K Murdoch from this radio show was also the K Murdoch from Panacea. He was like, yo, like, I didn't know who you were. And like, now it makes sense. Like, and, and you know, the rest is, is history forever. Famicom happened. And, uh, we've been, you know, just doing music for the last 10 years, which is crazy, you know, but awesome. You connected, uh, in a virtual space, right? Like that's, to that's dope. Yeah, man. Yeah. It was all through my space. And so the first project you did with him was what? What was Forever Famicom? Was that yeah, the Forever yeah. Famicom in 2010? Because this summer marks the 10 year anniversary of it uh, coming out, which is crazy. You and I became friends because we were all on um, 
that tour opening for MC Chris in 2011. Dude, can you believe that was nine years ago? Yo, yeah, the the Race Wars tour. And I have yeah. to preface that whenever I tell people, I said I was on a tour called Race Wars. They were, I was like, no, 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 I meant like car race, not like, <laughs> like a racial, like you know, even though in this day and age with right. our president, that could you know, badoom. Hey, <laughs> we had us, and then Warrock, rest in peace, in his career. But he, he dropped the mic. No, I'm, I'm saying he it was intentional. I thought you said rest in peace. To, I was like, what? What happened? No. He just, you know, he just dropped the mic and went to be a publicist for Berkeley School of Music. That's his thing. Oh, it's I didn't tight. know that. So that's what he's doing? Race Wars. I feel like Chris was trying. I mean, that the name of that album is supposed to be a little, was supposed to be like, huh? Tongue in cheek. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I was uh, on Warp Tour and I was like on my laptop posting it and one of the rappers... Greaves was like, you're on a tour called Race Wars. Are you are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> so Oh, dude. Yeah. What I can't it, believe that was nine years ago, man. And then I came to your house in and we did the Frosty the Flow Man, like a lot of the for like three or four days, right? Right. The the the, the right after Thanksgiving of that year, we did that. Yeah, project. that was that was three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, no, yeah, right after that. Yeah, you came for like three days, three days. Yep. In November, yeah. like right after it wrapped. What are some of your memories from that that long 44-day tour? Because that was a giant long tour. I met so many cool people. I mean, even just from your circle, man, uh, you know, uh, JTL. and uh, <laughs> I mean, you had a great Russo. mic. And, yeah, Russo. Yeah. Uh, and even beyond that, I mean, Eugene and obviously really got to be even closer with Raheem and Anyway, um, Niles tried one, but and of course Chris. Let me see uh, memories. Uh, I remember we went to that place in what was it, Wisconsin? It was like some the the dude who owned the place. It was like some eccentric rich guy, and he had like cr like a carousel in his house. And remember that? Did you come with us on that? For some reason, we had another show or something that. Oh, I know. Oh, okay. We had to do a thing in Chicago that called a day trotter, like a live okay. thing. So, but but okay. I heard about that. It was like he's like a collector. Yeah, yeah. It was, dude had a carousel. He had a, a room that like overlooked the forest below. So it was like art style. I mean, it was it was awesome. But it seemed like something from a video game or something. Like like this guy was just eccentric is or eccentric AF. You know, I, I don't right. know if I can curse, <laughs> but you know. Anyway, um, I, I definitely remember uh, the guy. We, we we had some interesting. We had another gentleman who started the tour with us who uh, didn't quite make it that long in the tour. We were driving in my. I had a Nissan Xterra at the time, and I put so many miles on that. I remember I've never had to do that. I've got like, I got uh, we yeah, had oil changes like three times within the course of two months. I've never had to do that before, like. <laughs> Because of all the mileage, we went all over the U.S. except the Dakotas, basically. I think. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. We, all yeah, the continental U.S. We must have driven through them. I wouldn't be surprised if we drove through the Dakotas. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, and I, I remember we had an epic. Was it from from California to Portland, uh, or, or we had like one Portland, San Francisco in one that, day? Yeah, that run was or drive was insane. It was like. 17 hours straight of just driving i just remember i mean yeah. oh my god yeah and remember I, I miss it man i miss it it was a street fair it was like um <laughs> it was like a pride street fair and the streets were blocked oh off. Yeah. <laughs> yes so yes. so i remember john got out of the van and a man in his underwear <laughs> went and just grabbed john's junk <laughs> Like, hey, Kiwi. Yeah. John was like, got it. It just grabbed Welcome it. Welcome to like, San Fran. Like, that wouldn't fly, I guess, now, right? No, like, no, no, no. Nine years ago. And then Eugene, I remember he he drove himself until Niles came. And he um, he got to the venue, played a set, and then just fell asleep at merch. Like, wow. while we were on, right? Like, while we were all playing. So. Yeah, man. It was, it's no joke, man. It's uh, But I miss it, life. too. Yeah, I do it, too, man. I mean, it it was just a different time. I mean, we weren't married, no kids, like a, a less encumbered. Uh, I mean, just you know, I don't know. It was it was fun. It it was fun, and I I definitely look back on those memories and like it's definitely with with uh you know a lot of happiness. Yeah, Joyful me too. Smiles, Joyful <laughs> smiles. I mean, we did the other thing was merch was always great. Like merch was, was always great. 
realizing that this scene was coalescing and that people from different backgrounds, like, and different, like Joe and John had done rock stuff. You with your like more non nerdcore hip hop stuff. And right. Right. All of us. And, and Eugene just getting started. And Chris is like, he was really, his career was, 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 was still skyrocketing up. And like, right. it was, it was like really, uh, it was special. I remember you stayed at, um, my, parents house and they live in Carmel Valley and you were like Carmel Valley is that a Mario Kart level yeah I, I was just that. about to say that when you said I was just about I was like dude we're staying at a place that sounds like a, a board from Super Mario Kart <laughs> no that was awesome man you're you, so much hospitality was shown to us because we didn't always stay at hotels like sometimes we would crash with like friends and Congo like not Congors but like patrons of like the events who who just became good friends and um I mean yeah. it was it was awesome man it was awesome it was it was totally it was just it just seems like another lifetime compared to now you know and I remember when we first met and we were in Pittsburgh we we're all backstage trying to like get to know each other and you know what I mean it was like this we all knew we were on the cusp of a adventure right you know what I'm right. saying I have fun I have distinct memories of first meeting you and I remember we we're all kind of like. How's this gonna be? And it's still to this date <laughs> one of the best tours I think I've ever been on. You know, I I I yeah. I, I, I love that was a turning point because I realized oh, we all then it launched interesting things. So so around that point you were starting to do stuff at um, American University, right? So I started to teach. Um, what was it? Maybe a couple years afterwards because I okay. returned back to I was doing like I was a full time artist and ironically. I was as I was a full time artist transitioning back into the professional realm of just working. Raheem was doing the opposite because I think he quit his job to go on the tour, and I was like, "Yo, quit your job, let's do this full time." And then when we got back, I wound up taking like a year later, like a job working back, and he's like, "Dude, like what the hell? Like you right. were the, one of the main ones advocating for me to leave," and I was like, "Well, you know, what you know, like not like I fooled you, but it just worked out." But I went back in and worked in radio at my alma mater. Uh, and then while I was working uh, at the commercial radio station that I interned for when I was in college, um, they had a position opening and they were like, you know, we think you'd be a good teacher. Like we need a, a bit of a youth infusion. And you mentioned before that you would, you know, we when we had you come and speak in, in front of classes about like uh, alumni who are doing stuff in the field. So would you be open to it? So I took it. And that was like 2014. So yeah, it was like a maybe two or three year mm. window that I segued back into it. And now, you know, like um, I'm finishing my master's and ironically, I like adjunct teaching. I don't know if I'm ready to be full time, like on a tenure track yet. I still like being in the industry. So I'm doing a lot of stuff right now. I'm podcasting with like Vox Media and Stitcher, which are like two big uh, podcasting companies. Uh, it's been great because then I can take the stuff I'm doing and it substantiates me teaching this stuff because I'm like, well, I actually work for these companies. I know how it goes. You know, so it's like the best of both worlds. So for listeners, explain the difference between adjunct teaching and tenure track professors professorship. Well, one is the pay. Uh, <laughs> the, the, but, um, well... So as an adjunct, I'm just basically conscripted to teach uh, or hired to teach. Conscription is probably not the best word, especially in this day and age. <laughs> um, I'm basically paid to teach just for that semester. So, and it's uh, usually uh, a lot of uh, universities have a good, um, I, I would say like a good bullpen of adjuncts but they usually are most universities try to hire full-time professors but when you can't um you, or when you're doing something very specialized they try to get professionals industry professionals to come in and be adjuncts and so originally when i started getting a master's or even going back into academia i thought like i want to be a full professor but I've kind of liked the flexibility I have of just saying, okay, this coming semester, I'm just going to teach a class maybe once a week. Mm. And you get paid for it. You don't get paid as much as like a full professor, but you get a good rate. And they're like unions and stuff to help advocate like getting a good rate. You don't get benefits, but I don't need them because I, I go by my wife's benefits right now. So, uh, and health, health benefits is what I'm talking about. Um, but 
I'm still afforded the ability of going into a classroom, teaching when I want. And even now, uh, I have a couple universities asking me, do I want to teach for the summer and do I want to teach for the fall? And I have to weigh it because, uh, I mean, even I don't know how stuff is going to be impacted with Corona because right now all my classes are online and I teach production classes. So translating them has been an interesting experience. Uh, and to the point, I'm like, maybe I will not be teaching this coming semester until uh, a bit of normalcy returns and I can go back into the studio because I feel like I teach better that way. And unfortunately, mm. I don't know if I have the ability to change all my classes to be online like that's a lot of work and professionally i just am really into a lot of other stuff and i feel like i would be shortchanging myself to try to do that like you know so yeah full professorship is, is something maybe in a couple years i looked at doing when i'm ready to segue out of professionally working and want to just concentrate fully on being a professor in which i would teach like two or three classes be on committees and be a formal part of a university's faculty. That's cool, man. I mean, it seems Whew. like the pol the yeah. politics and the negotiation and the advocating for yourself you have to do in academia yes. is yes. not too dissimilar from the music industry. The marketing, no. the branding, the networking, the being on stage on the like you're well suited for both of these fields, right? No, you're you're <laughs> totally right. No, that's a great point, Andrew, because yeah. uh, I feel like even now, like when I got asked to teach last semester, they were like, okay, well, let me see in, in, in um, academia, they want to see your CV, your curriculum vitae or whatever. Um, and, and, but that for most people is a resume. So I'm like, well, I don't have a CV fleshed out with all my academic papers and stuff. But in a lot of ways, I can put like I performed at PAX. I performed at MAGFest. I've toured because that stuff helps build um, or substantiate like when people want to pay me to come in and teach. Um, and one guy, another guy who teaches here at American, he just comes and teaches once a month. He does a like a... It's kind of like a music intensive thing for eight hours on a Saturday, eight hours on a Sunday. We meet three times uh, a month. And the reason why he can do that is because he's won three Grammys. He's won three mm. Grammys doing music for Justin Timberlake and Shakira. So in a lot of ways, they're like, well, yeah, we'll make the uh, we'll make that we'll bend for you because you have that credibility. And, you know, whereas myself, I wouldn't quite be able to flex that because i don't i haven't won any grammys yet so you know i've done some yeah. cool stuff but i feel like a grammy is you you can just put that it's like dropping a mic you can just put that and just walk away you know yeah right right so it's like they want to be more flexible because it's good for their right. brand what would could you do a phd and would you and would it like can it after i know you're still in your master's but is there a phd track or a terminal is your master's a terminal degree it's an ma so it's terminal but um it's I could do a PhD. Um, I would just have to come up with what's going to be, I guess, like what am I, my research is going to be about. So, you know, one thing that was pitched to me, someone was like, well, you do so much already with like looking at the the way the commingling or the the of, of hip hop and, and video game culture. Um, and they're like, you do these presentations at cons. Why not just flesh that out and do like a deep, a super deep dive for your research and just turn and, and go after a PhD. And I was like, go like first things first, I'm very one track minded and focused. So I'm like, let me just get the MA, which hopefully yeah. I'll have at the end of this year. And then I would think about it. I never say never because I never thought I'd be coming back 15 years after undergrad to chase a master's, you know, but right. it happens. So yeah, tight, never man. say never. Yeah. And never so being, never. I'm sure being a, being a, professor is it kind of subsidized the tuition a bit or yeah, the masters? yeah yeah they were they were really cool about me coming into the program um and because i have such a unique thing like i came into the program and then when they looked at my resume they were like well hold up i know you're in the grad program but would you be interested in teaching some undergrad courses because you're more than qualified and so as a result um they've awarded me with like a substantial amount of my grad school tuition is like taken care of which is awesome that's just awesome. means i won't have to deal with sally may for any longer or <laughs> as long you know <laughs> and it means also that you are 
not having to work another job, you're it all ties in. You don't have to work a non-academic yeah. job. Not right, that you're right. not working, but I, yeah. I work a lot of freelance stuff, and I, I like that. I like being freelance. I kind of like this a la carte working thing I'm doing right now, where like I have a full time, which I'm possibly transitioning out of to do more like three or four different revenue streams. It's kind of like being a musician, right? So a revenue streams that as long as they're in the wheelhouse of sound, which they all are, they substantiate me having one full-time job that even though that's in sound adjacently too, it's not really as fulfilling. So um, I like being a freelance editor for like Vox and Stitcher right now. Um, it's been awesome. And it, it keeps me in the field it it plays on what I do as far as what I teach, and it all kind of works and makes this cool ecosystem. And in lieu of the coronavirus stuff, because I already have a lot of the tech, the gear and the tech myself, my own versions of Pro Tools and and everything, I'm able to work remotely. So it's it's right. cool. Like even if I got to travel, which I'm not right now, um, I, I can still turn out stuff, uh, which is awesome. So. That's what's up. You have a very diverse skill set. <laughs> yes, man. Uh, that's why I just say when people say, "What are you?" I say, "Man, uh, I'm just an audio creative, like uh, music engineer or music producer, audio engineer, sound designer." But I think the best way to kind of brand myself was just to say audio creative because you know I've I've done it. I worked in radio. I've done music, uh, podcasting. Now I'm doing a lot more stuff for post production for visual content. Um, so yeah, like. Sound is my wheelhouse, and as long as I'm in it, I'm happy. We did a tour a few years ago, UK, with yes, Mega Ray. That was and- one of my other favorite tours that I yeah. owe you a great deal of thanks for, you know? That was cool how that worked out because it was during your spring break, right? Or right at summer? summer. <laughs> yeah. How on um, earth did we get you for that? It, yeah, it was it, spring semester usually ends here at most of the universities I teach at um last like first week of may and i think we started like the last week of april so i was i managed to because i knew it was going to happen in i think february i got the word of march i kind of was able to waive my final and just have my class do a final project so that's how Ah, it happened so even when we were torn i think when we got to wi-fi i would be listening to audio projects my students were like submitting you know I had a good time and look and, and met some really cool. I met, uh, you know, the guys from Cuckoo Kangaroo, man. So that was awesome. That was all because of you and my daughters love them now. Like shout out to Neil and Brian. <laughs> and then you were at our show in Vienna, right? Jam Java. We, we came to see you all. Yep. Well, that was for, Stella, my oldest really came to see Cuckoo, but I came to see you. Vienna's kind of near DC, right? South yeah, of DC? Yeah, it's like, uh, like maybe 40 minutes, 30, 30 to 40 minutes out. I mean, yes, it's close. So where are you from DC, Baltimore or where were you born? I was born in, I was born in Washington, DC, but I spent the majority of my adult life or my life period, um, Living in between Washington D.C. and a suburb of uh, called Silver Spring, Maryland. So, um, which is where I live now in D.C. I'm like right at the line of where D.C. meets Montgomery County, Maryland. Which is uh, Montgomery County is probably most known, infamously known for the D.C. sniper. He would mm. he did a lot of unfortunately a lot of people he would ki- was killing was like. Well, they were all over the Beltway, but a few of them were in Montgomery County. So it's not really uh, associated with the best, uh, you know, memories and stuff. But yeah, um, so Beltway meaning because that reference to like the highway. Yeah, the yeah yeah the Capital Beltway as they call it that connects like particularly D.C., Maryland, and Northern Virginia, but also expanses out into like going up to new york and 95 north and going south down to like miami or florida and uh georgia and stuff is that whole thing called the beltway yeah well the the capital beltway is like a loop uh that runs around the city but through those loops you can also exit out and like i said go north go south veer off and go to like west virginia veer off and go um you know, it's not really, you can't go the other way, but <laughs> you'd be running into the water, the Chesapeake. But um, yeah, yeah, it's, but the Capitol Beltway that, the, you know, most people think of, uh, it refers to like the inner and outer loops that connect D.C. to Maryland and Northern Virginia. So I'm from 
I'm from Silver Spring, Maryland, a very popular county called Montgomery County. Um, and yeah, man. Um, and I've lived half my life, literally half my life there and half my life in Washington, D.C., which is where I attended like elementary school, uh, college, which is where I teach now. All the universities I teach at are in Washington, D.C. What big hip hop acts come from D.C. or the D.C. area? Are there any like other artists you can think of? Uh, the biggest one that I think of, um, as far as I maybe people might know now is Wale, the rapper Wale. He's from oh, yeah. Prince George's County. Um, from DC. Oh, uh, well you appreciate this as like, uh, 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 having like rock and punk background. Uh, the, the group Bad Brains, remember them? Yeah. They're from, they're, they're from DC. Right. Um, uh who's known there's a rapper named odyssey who's real big kind of big in that like on on that j cole kendrick lamar kind of vibe he's from he's from maryland um i don't know oh, go-go music is like a big thing that is like endemic to dc yeah um yeah man that would those would be the biggest artists i guess coming out of dc let me clear my throat. I heard as an example of go-go music. DJ Cool. Is he DC or Baltimore? Yeah, yeah, he's from yeah, he's yeah. from DC. Yeah, let okay. me clear my yeah. That's on. <laughs> that's a classic. Yeah, that's a, that's a, hey, I, I like that you know that man. A lot of people yeah. don't. I didn't even mention DJ Cool because I didn't know one of you or your audience would probably be like DJ. But it, a lot of people know that. Let me clear my throat. You know, so. It's that fusion because you think about you think about rap, you think about I mean, this is probably a spurious um, association, but the North, like New York's lyrics, and, right. and people think about the South more music and and choruses. It's a, no, it's a perfect balance. And like you you named uh, nailed it actually that um that Netflix documentary Hip Hop Evolution has done a really good job of like they do a really good job of pointing out even even myself. I feel like they. There was just stuff that like, oh yeah, I didn't even put this together that or like you forget it like how certain uh demographics in certain areas they help form certain sounds, you know, and connecting the dots. It's it's been interesting to watch. So I highly recommend that. Like you you've seen it, right? No, but people keep telling me about it and they tell me the E forty stuff is the bay stuff is like particularly dope. You check that out, man. The whole yeah. I think they're on like four 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 seasons. Each season is like four episodes, and so each one is like a very thematic um, thing. So I feel like, well, now with the coronavirus, right. there's a lot of Netflix and chilling. So yeah, put that in your <laughs> queue, man. So you went to Howard University, right? Yes, and and that's what you call an HBU. Did I say that right? HBCU. HBCU. Historically Black College and University. Yep. What was that experience like and why? What made you choose Howard? The experience was cool. I, I started my education, at my formal education, actually at Howard University too. I went to the preschool program. My mom has worked. My mom went to Howard, as a lot of people in my family did. And when she graduated in the 70s, she wound up getting a job and working there for like 33 years. So... My wow. mom being there allowed me to go. I, I had other offers to go to other schools. Actually, I was looking at like everywhere from University of Maryland, which is obviously hometown, to going to Tennessee State. I had a scholarship. Uh, and I believe Tennessee State is the uh, alma mater of Oprah Winfrey. So that would have been kind of interesting. That's cool. But um, I stayed local because going to Howard with remission of tuition, I didn't have to pay back. I took out some loans, but it was really just so I could avoid having to work, you know, like, mm. so I could just focus on my education and just like trying to get a job post school. And it worked out, but going to HBCU is, is cool. Um, I think as a person who went to uh, middle school and high school, that was very cosmopolitan, like a melting pot. Uh, it it was cool because it kind of like broke down the borders and, and, and normalized seeing things like uh, all my friends are literally of different ethnicities. So I, one of my best friends is like Ethiopian. One is from El Salvador. One is from Guyana. One is from Vietnam. One is Jewish. So seeing people of different races, maybe even commingling or dating other races was was very normalized. But going back to Howard was cool too because as much as you think like that would be a disservice because I'm going from like a very 
melting pot or cosmopolitan situation to a very myopic closed in like generally more black students it actually was cool because i got to just learn a lot more of culture and history that i feel like even in a cosmo cosmopolitan place as my high school there was just a lot of stuff that i never knew about as far as like black culture and black in history that going to howard really just made me it just opened me up and it just made me more appreciative of that so yeah it was a very unique experience and even now when i teach i would love to be tenured or be a full professor at hbcu just because i feel like the it's very important for people who look like me and are of color to be able to kind of pay it forward and, and help out students, particularly in media, who it's still not as diverse a playing field. And I feel like if I can have a say in helping get someone another seat at the table, I've done my job. And I feel like being at HBCU is a very critical thing like for me. And it's very critical and very important. Yeah, it's a great way to explain it. Thank you, man. This is a huge question, Kyle, but what are ways people could fight racism? Just not like, not like just, but I mean, well, yeah, just, just try to try to keep, keep an open mind and realize that I think the one thing about this coronavirus stuff is that it's kind of making everyone is, it's, it's leveling the play field in the sense of like, everyone's kind of constricted to, or having to go through the same thing. So it's like, not like a black or white person thing versus coronavirus. It's like the human race at this point right. kind of all versus the coronavirus. That said, I can't be completely silly in thinking that like, or or I would be remiss if I didn't say like, and my wife and I were talking about that, like particularly like kids of color normally who rely on going to school for maybe a reprieve or, or or seeking solace from like not exactly the most stable homes, you know, or going yeah. to school because they rely on school to help feed them or that's where they can access a computer. Like that stuff, it, thinking about that and knowing that their, their kids are locked at home who don't have this stuff afforded to them is sad to me. Um, so that's why, you know, I, I mentioned that I want to try to do my part and help out by teaching at HBCU and no shade. Like I, I would definitely be open to teaching other places. I'm just appreciative that anyone wants me to teach at all, but I know if I have my choice, I would want to teach at an HBCU. And I think that for people like you, you always been very open-minded. And I think you do the one thing that I feel like most people I wish would do more is just listen. You're all, mm. you've been always great at doing that. Uh, Andrew, as far as like, whenever I'm able to share stories, I don't feel like, you're waiting for me to finish so you can like jump in. You're just like listening and processing and then formulating your opinion and just keeping an open mind. And for that, I always say thank you. And I wish more people would do the same, but at the same time, it's one thing to just sit back and, you know, like, uh, listen to stuff and passively listen, but you still have to be, if you feel the need to be active and want to do something about it, feel so compelled, you should act on it as well, you know? But some people don't don't feel compelled. And I'd rather, only people who I feel like really feel this is like an important thing shit are the people that should really make make uh, make a move and, and try to help out. But, you know, just make sure your heart is in it. Don't just do it because it's like everyone's doing it. Like, make sure you really understand and you really feel like this is something that, uh, a missive you want to get behind you know that's you put that really well and i think like try it <laughs> yeah I, and i think you must think about this stuff a lot and especially the as the world you're right i think the world it's be, as we become more connected and aware right. of each other's humanity and especially as we all fight this coronavirus people there's this now there's always this like i worry people staying home they're interacting with less types of people and they right. might be more exposed to st media stereotypes and right. stuff like that so that's something i love i love my favorite thing about being a musician is the people i've gotten to meet and collaborate with more than right. we all different but music affects us all in a human way that's like pretty pretty similar and that's pretty right. powerful and to right. teach that you know what i mean like that's why i love and also the universality of of storytelling and stuff right. like that like that's Though, these are things that remind us that we all have a lot in common and it's, no, it's I, cool it's cool yeah I, I think music I mean I might not have always been the best producer or making music that 
hopefully it's somewhat timeless and that people want to listen to. But personally, what I've gotten out of it, I mean, aside from being able to support myself when I can, it's just it's made me more of a worldly individual. It's just it's kind of opened my eyes up and I've been able to access places that I know most likely I would have never been able to access and go. And for that, I'm forever humbled and appreciative of the opportunities because I know that stuff that's not afforded everyone. Raheem talks about that all the time, like guys that he sees when he goes back to visit certain friends in Philadelphia who have literally never left mm. the state of Pennsylvania. And like, I'm like, man, the world is so big, dude. Even though now I feel like it's shrunken, but in a lot of ways, like we're so connected, you know? Uh, yeah. So why not virtually connecting with someone is great in an experience, but something about going to a place and actually seeing it and, and feeling certain things that, that really lock in with you. And for that, I feel like music has done a great thing. And I'm, I'm super, uh, again, appreciative of the, uh, those opportunities. That's tight. And speaking of connect, <laughs> connecting with the bigger world, you have the privilege of working with young people and staying like you'll always be young because you, for however many years you've been teaching now, seven or almost eight, seven yeah, or eight? Uh, about, about six or seven. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. And what's it like working with young people? And does that like change your perspective on hip hop music and culture? And how is that? Uh, it's been, it's been cool. Like I, I always say, I want to probably coming out the class. It should be like a, a cyclical thing. Like, uh, I don't want to say parasitic cause that's probably not the, <laughs> another bad term to use now, but it should just be, uh, uh, a reciprocity, you know, like, uh, reciprocated because as much as I want to teach them and I'm, I'm very like the students always say, man, you're so passionate. You're so excited about this stuff. And I'm like, well, that's good. Cause imagine if I just came in like, yo, we're going to do podcasting. Ho hum, you know, like, <laughs> or just like very, I don't know, like monotone about it or something. Like, I don't think they would get it. So hopefully my uh, excitement is a bit infectious. Well, that's a bad term to use too. I was going to say infectious. <laughs> inspiring, inspiring. <laughs> man this this podcast i've i've been oh man anyway but yes inspiring or like they they've been able to to glean something from me but um uh, i do the same i feel like i learn so much from from the young people not only as far as like the cool and and interesting things they say as far as like the slang and stuff but just like their perspectives or the bit of a challenge of like taking what i love and and getting them to be as excited about it and I use actually use hip hop a lot of times. Uh, a lot of my projects and assignments are named after hip hop songs or just based off hip hop. Um, so one of the assignments I do in my multimedia audio production class is that I have students record themselves kind of like as doing a monologue where they answer 10 questions about themselves and then they have to not only say what they is, what the question, um, excuse me, the answer is, but also use some kind of associative sound with it. So they can say, hey, my name is Kyle and I'm from D.C. When most, most times when people hear me mention D.C., they think of, and then they would insert like a clip of the sound. So I had a student right, from right. Houston and they were like, when people think of Houston, they think of, and then they put a clip of Beyonce because from Beyonce's from Houston. Then I had another one student. She's like, I'm from, I forgot what she, New York. And when people say New York, they think of, and she put a hip hop clip and then she segued into putting crickets. And she was like, well, I lied. I'm not from New York proper. I'm from upstate. And then it was like crickets and like, Right, the whole right. idea of like being from the sticks and the outside. So yeah. um, so that project is called IMIB, which is the name of uh, De La Soul song that I really like where they do that. They're like, I am so-and-so and I be, and then they name a bunch of qualifiers that kind of describe them. So I was like, yo, that would be a cool way for students to kind of ease into doing audio production, but also ease into introducing themselves. So it's very... I don't know. I, the students really seem to like that pro, uh, project a lot. And again, very hip hop rooted. Um, so yeah, I, I got tons of stuff like that, that I can go on and on about, but um, to, to get back to your question. Yes. It's been really cool teaching. I learned a lot about myself, uh, learned a lot about what's uh, lit now, what's, what's happening now and all that stuff. And it's kind of helped show me that, okay, like, I can do this teaching thing. Um, so I think I am going to do this teaching thing. Uh, you know, 
Yeah, and that yeah. you have a you have a ability to relate to these young people because hip hop is a forever young culture, right? right I mean, that's right, pr- right. part of its energy. I I remember you have a tribe called Quest tattoo on your forearm. Whoop. Yeah, that's tight. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. you had just gotten it when I met you. Yeah, yeah, man. It was um yeah, it was <laughs> it was a very painful experience because as I was told by my tattoo artist, he was like, You have very skinny feminine wrists. I was like, I I don't know if I, I I can't really say f you to the guy. I was like, because he's literally tattooing my arm. If I cursed him out or something, Lord knows what he would have put on my arm. But I was like, right, yeah, it was it was a very interesting interesting experience. But the reason why I got it was um actually the first piece of it I got to commemorate being on tour back in two thousand six. But the rest of it that you know, like the 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 sleeved out part, I got. Just as a way to kind of sleeve out and 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 um, I always said I wanted to get like more tribal stuff around it. So I had a friend of mine who does like tribal designs, like come up with um, it's not based off a real tribe, but I was like, well, it's a tribe called Quest Tattoo. Like, let's put some tribal kind of ink around it, and um, yeah, the rest is history, man. So, do kids ever, if you're talking about tribe or referencing De La Soul and assignments, right. do they ever? Do you ever get a reaction like, oh, that's old school? That native um, tongue stuff is, or do they kind of? How is the reaction with that? Some some students get it. Like some of them really are into old school. For them, is tribe called Quest, whereas old school for probably me and you would be like sugar hill gang or something you right. know what i mean like dougie fresh the, dougie fresh the, t- <laughs> yeah. the treacherous three and all that but old school for them some some people for old school for them is like outcast old jay-z and like outcast biggie yeah like um i had a student a, a few years ago who came into class and he had a nas illmatic shirt on and i said whoa illmatic man like you know i remember list buying that cassette buying that on cassette tape or hearing that on cassette tape and he looked at me. He said, this album was made when I was born. I was like, wow. <laughs> he was like, this came out the year I was born. It's like 2014. So the guy was 20, right. uh, 21. So yeah, it was like one of the first classes I was teaching. And I just, on that note, I was like, I always tell the students, every class I have a, you are old Kyle moment. And that was my, <laughs> you are old Kyle moment where right. I literally could wish I could break the fourth wall and look at the TV, like the invisible camera and be like, the hell man totally doing yeah exactly i had a larry david moment yeah in a way that hip-hop has proved timeless because certain of the certain element musical elements and and poetry and production will always be timeless and you're passing on the skills and it's cool how even some of the young mcs their stuff sounds old school or sounds throwback and that's right right no yeah it's like a big thing to have like a vintage sound or to have like a sound that uh, or for a lot of them trying to seek the blessing of what they call the OGs or, you know. So, yeah. for instance, like a lot of students like Kanye West, who Kanye is like my, my our age, basically, or probably my little, a little, it's like he's one year or two years older than me. So anyway, um, but for them, they still like Kanye, some of them view Kanye, like the college dropout is considered like, a classic album or like old school to them and or they see Kanye and they're like I was like well Kanye is an offshoot of a tribe called Quest and they're like oh, okay I get that like so yeah. it's like trying to make the connection you know or 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 fans who might get into Mega Ran um to show to for them to get into Biggie and stuff that he grew up on tribe called right. Quest and fans who are able to like Realize, when you realize your favorite rapper is influenced by these people, it makes the, that more accessible and interesting. Right, Would right, you agree? Right. Yeah. Yep. And it just That's makes a, a bridge. So we, you know, we have like a commonality, a starting point for us to talk to talk about, you know. As we wrap this up, what is anything coming up you want to plug or any ongoing things that you're doing we can talk um, about real quick? Man, I haven't really been I, I, going into 2020. I was like, I'm going to finally get on being more active blogging and stuff. And then I've realized blogging, I feel like seems so antiquated. So I'm like, why not myself make a podcast? So I've been formulating doing like, I have this whole rebranding thing now where it's like, I do so much with audio. I was like, well, I just create audio. I'm audio creative. So if not to get ahead, but social media is always at 
K Creates Audio, or you can go to my website, Kyle Creates Audio. That's Kyle, K-Y-L-E, Creates, A-U-D dot I-O. So, and then I'm trying to create, I'm looking to make a podcast, particularly after this semester wraps and I have the time again, uh, that basically is based on all the stuff I do in audio and sharing stories and stuff like So the podcast will most likely just be called Kyle Creates Audio and it'll just be me talking about like equipment I use and also, again, sharing some hopefully cool stories that I like have sound design and other things in them too. And I feel like that will be a cool way, something I want to promote. Um, on top of the fact that I still produce music, I'm working on a bunch of like projects right now with people. I just haven't really been talking about them. Just because I, I'm I'm the type that like I don't want to talk about it until it's finished, and I right. feel like the little time I the sliver of time I have to create and do stuff other than work, I'd rather be doing the work and then I'll come up with or get help later in promoting it, you know. But it will be out and people will hear about it when it's when the time is due. But in the meantime, you can just at K Creates Audio on Twitter, IG, or um, I'll have my podcast. Uh, set up very hopefully in the summertime and that should be something that hopefully people will want to check out as well a special episode i heard was the one where you were on mega rands or your guys's podcast bits rhymes and life right was that what it was you talk about the double dragon game right oh dude yeah so the stories i'm going to talk about i mentioned on kyle creates audio are going to be like that with me just sharing really interesting stories that happen but allowing me to kind of flex and show a little bit of like my creative sound design side but yeah that that double dragon story was funny uh and very true and to this day i feel i feel bad like i <laughs> i lost let's that dude's game tell it yeah tr let's do a, a brief synopsis to get people interested in these stories so i back in elementary school back when in the day when we used to trade uh video games like physically trade nes games a friend of mine named aaron rotan i'll always remember it uh his mom had bought him double dragon and the reason why it was like a big deal is because back in the day we were in elementary school no one was buying games by themselves let alone a game like double dragon which retailed at that point it was 75 dollars. i'll never forget that Ooh. because every every time i would go to toys r us and my mom would let me get a game she look at the prices and she's like, you need to stay in like the $19.29.99 range. So seeing a game that was $74.99 was never, I was never going to get that. Um, and also I played it a bunch of times at Pizza Hut in the like the little arcade machines they would have at Pizza Hut. So yeah. when I was heard it was being, it was coming out on Nintendo, even though obviously I knew it was going to look as cool, I just wanted to play it. So when he, Aaron told me he had it and because we were friends, he lent it to me, and like a dummy, I happened to bring it in one day to show and tell, and I showed some older kids, older students at the time, and those students took the game, and they all ran off in different directions. And, of course, it was like, well, I didn't take – when I went and told the principal, which was crazy that – because I was so scared I lost the game, and even though you're never supposed to snitch and do all that, I was like, dude, I got to get this game back. All yeah. of them were like – Oh, I didn't take it. I didn't take it. And because I didn't see who ran off with it, the four guys they pulled oh, uh, into the, you know, like pulled aside to kind of interrogate, none of them had to, were able to fess up and have the game. So my mom had to wind up paying back his mom. Mm. Um, and it was just a mess. And I probably ruined my friendship with Aaron. And I will forever remember Double Dragon because of that. But if you listen to the old episode, it's a lot more funnier with a lot of like cool sound design trinkets and stuff. But it's a game about beating up and be like fighting, and these <laughs> kids <laughs> stole this oh, game the, from the, you, man. Yeah. I know, yeah. And like, I'm lucky because those guys could have easily treated me like beat me up too, like because I literally <laughs> I went to the principal and snitched on them. Like, not supposed to do that, man. Like at all. Did you, so did your mom make you like do more chores to reimburse her? Uh, what a great mom, what a great mom to do that. Uh, yeah, I have a great mom. Uh, I yeah. don't even remember this. This happened when I was like eight or nine. So I was like literally 30 years ago. Uh, crazy. Uh, but yeah, my, I think, I think my mom was just like, well, you ain't getting no new games. Like, you know, like, so 
Yeah, it was it was bad. It was really bad. And I mean, it was a. I'm usually I'm a I'm a Taurus. That's my astrological sign, and Tauruses are, are very bullheaded. Uh, mm. We a lot of times don't learn like, oh, that's why you're not supposed to touch that because it hurts. As opposed to reading a sign, we're usually the types that have to touch it, you know, or like actually okay. interact. Um, and luckily, nothing has been pernicious or or fatal for me to the point that I'm like, okay. I get it and like I'm dead now. You know, <laughs> like so, but in that case I learned like, okay, that's why you don't bring games to school and show them to people who are older than you and or sneaky, you know? So <laughs> Yeah. Well you were proud that you'd had in your possession. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was definitely bragging and it bit me in the butt. I mean it was karma <laughs> and I, that's when I learned too about karma being uh you know what. So <laughs> Do you have anything you're particularly proud of we could just drop at the end here? This is the 10-year anniversary of Forever Famicom. And one of my favorite Forever Famicom songs is a, a song I did with Megaran, um, who I did the whole project with, called The Girl with the Makeup. And speaking of life lessons, he talks about a really cool life lesson he learned about basically being yourself and not trying to put on airs and pretend to be something you're not. Um, so I think, you know, you yourself have very uh, roots of, of teaching lessons and stuff. I always say to you, I think you should be a teacher as well, especially after I saw you give that good presentation in Cambridge a few years ago. Oh, yeah. So I think your your audience would appreciate, you know, some substantive hip hop, you know, some it's not quite lit hop, but it's lit <laughs> and it's hip hop, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank Kyle. Thank you for that compliment. And uh, thank you for setting up this song. And thank you for giving me. So much of your time. I know you're busy, so this meant a lot to me. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me, Andrew. And uh, yeah, man, I, I look forward to hopefully we'll run into each other in, in person soon. I used to make up sketches of the perfect companion One with the right combo of passion and understanding Out on the stoop we would make up games Spin the bottles over there but I was way too lame Till I met a chick in math class, her name was Dawn The first girl I knew that put makeup on Wanted to get with her so I would make up lies Pretending I was getting money just like those guys on the app Hustle 9 to 5 to make up time Only came to school once a week cause they was on the grind Begged my mom for a starter jacket and got four Cause I had mad deficiencies to make up for So I started talking back to teachers saying acting up I would make up jokes and had a class cracking up But I was only concerned with that one girl with the makeup She made up my whole world it was a rainy day. I was supposed to walk home with the fellas, but I made up in excuses. I saw Dawn with no umbrella. Although it belonged to my mom's, I gave it to her anyway. I was too shy to talk, so I started to walk away until you said, You might as well stay until the bus comes. Now, this the kind of situation the old me would run from. But I came back, put on my hat, played it cool like them cats that was sitting in the back of the class. I cracked jokes about the people walking by, and she laughed. I was officially living a lie. Cause I knew if she had known I was a geek that was from the streets, but far from street, I ain't have a chance. Then the feeling started rushing like an avalanche. Bus was coming, so I just grabbed a hand, wrote my number in her palm with the big pen, and we've been going steady since then. Make up and dress and mess up your makeup again.
Better to be hated for what you are than loved for what you're not. Another great couplet from Mega Ran, produced by Kay Murdoch. That is a song called The Girl with the Makeup from Forever Famicom. Thank you, Kyle. Next week, guess what? Guess who the guest is next week? You'll never guess. It's me. Mike Russo interviews me for the podcast. So I'm my own guest on my podcast. And uh, that was Mike's idea because Mike's a great friend. So tune into that. I've got a lot of other great uh, podcasts lined up. I'll talk to you all soon. Stay safe. Keep in touch. I'm thinking of you all. We're going to get through this. And thank you again for allowing me to have this platform. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye.